Hello, everyone, or perhaps it is good evening, or maybe it's uh, good afternoon, or I don't know when it is that you're going to be finding this, but we're doing something new. I, uh, I should have had a white flag. I don't, so I'll have a white piece of paper and say, I am waving the white flag. I surrender. I don't know what's going on with uh with our internet service I, I genuinely i don't think it's internet service anymore i think it's facebook i think it's something with them i don't know because i can tell you i had new internet this morning it was screaming fast and i mean crazy fast and um yeah for whatever reason facebook cut me off at 15 minutes so um at least for a while this is how i'm going to be coming to you Still going to be having daily devotionals Monday through Thursday. They will be available. I think I'm going to schedule this to be out at 6 o'clock in the morning in case you get there before 7. But look for the title, right? Daily devotional for, well, in this case, it'll be 2-21-2023. As far as Sunday morning goes, I'm going to try a different format. I will have news for that for you later in the week. I think I can try to stream through sermonaudio.com. You should be able to go to our webpage, sermonaudio.com forward slash Old Providence, and see our live webcast there. Um, but again, I, I, maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't work. I don't know. People have asked. The only internet that we have available is satellite internet and cellular internet. Um, the best satellite interne internet is Starlink. Um, it's working fantastic. You'll have to excuse that, my annoying antivirus software. I'm telling y'all, it's just technology. But nevertheless, nevertheless, um, hopefully um, Sunday will work. And uh, if not, it doesn't. I, I know that some of you really want to be in church and you cannot be. Some of you may be watching live stream on Sunday morning instead of going to church. And if you can be in church, you ought to be in church, all right? Now, that's all I'm going to say about that. But nevertheless, I'm coming to you from the comfort of my study here at Old Providence. Yes, that's a bear hanging up behind me that I killed. Um, that's a license plate right there that we found in the bushes when we cleaned them up. And there's all sorts of other oddities in here. But nevertheless, at least I'm glad to have this technology, and I hope that you can figure out tomorrow morning when you find it. Now. Let's get to the business at hand. I went back and I looked at where we finished up today. It's actually 4.32 p.m. on February 20th, um, though this is the devotional for February 21st. I went back and looked at where we left off and um, or where I got cut off. And I think by the best of, of what I could put together, it was in the explanation of what had happened to Judas. And I was actually at a pretty morbid part explaining in chapter 1 of Acts, verse 18, about how when Judas um, took the, the money that he received for betraying Christ, and he went out and he, he bought a field, and it has that weird Aramaic name, right? It was named the Field of Blood, where Judas hung himself, where most likely what happened was his body fell, right, after it had been hanging, <clears throat> um, and it split open after decaying. I know, super duper gross. Sorry about that. But nevertheless, they referred to this as the field of blood. 
And that's a double meaning. I don't know if it caught this or not. I think this is where I got cut off this morning. But there's a double meaning for the field of blood. The first is the very obvious meaning, right? Where when Judas fell and his body split open and his intestines spilled out, as it says in verse 18, it's the field of blood. But the double meaning is, the other meaning is, that it's the field of blood because he purchased that field with blood money, the money he received for betraying the Lord. Now, that is where we got cut off this morning, and that is where we will pick up today because some important things are revealed here. In many ways, the book of Acts is like the genesis of the New Testament. It reveals so much about how God has set up his church to work. Um, but we'll pick up with what happens next here with some business that needs to be attended to before the apostles can move on and do what the Lord has called them to do. Let's pray, and then we'll get started. Our Father, we thank you for this time, and um, I don't know what's going on with technology. I just pray that this works. I, I know that you work all things for for your glory, for our good, and uh, even the things that are so frustrating sometimes that um, it's not frustrating because of you. It's frustrating because of the systems and the things that we have to work with. But nevertheless, I'm grateful that, that we can at least have this time. So please, Father, bless it. Guide us by your Holy Spirit that we would understand. And we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So we are picking up in Acts chapter 1. If you recall, in yesterday's, I'm, I'm going to speak as if it's tomorrow morning when this will be published. But if you recall in yesterday's devotional, I talked about the fact that where we left the disciples previously was with them looking up into the sky. Acts chapter 1, verse 11. Men of Galilee, these men in white show up. They said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way you have seen him go into heaven. In other words, these two men dressed in white, probably angels, are saying to the disciples, what are you standing around for? <laughs> Jesus told you what to do. He said that, that you will carry my name, right, to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And without saying it, they do kind of hint at, hey, uh, Jesus is gone. He's coming back. What are you doing looking up into the sky? Go get to work. And so they do that. Now, what we covered yesterday was some background. We had the list of the 11 that were given to us. I'm not going to read that again, but you can read what we covered yesterday in Acts 1. You have the list of the 11, and then you find Peter for the first time really stepping up, not so much as a leader of the disciples, but as the one who is speaking, right? And he talks about the fact that Judas, the betrayer, was gone. Right. And we see that there's this shift with Peter here, which is pretty remarkable. Peter went from being the rough and gruff fisherman who just spoke out of turn and was always the loud one to actually interpreting God's word. Peter actually quotes Psalm 69, 25. He quotes Psalm 109, verse eight. And not only does he quote it, he says, look, these apply to Judas, Judas, who was part of this ministry and yet betrayed our Lord and left us. Now, the unfinished piece of business that they've got to attend to before they can do what Jesus told them to do, again, carry the gospel throughout all the ends of the earth is, 
There's a space that has been left open by Judas. Twelve apostles, y'all. The Lord set it up. And there was a vacant seat among them to do the work that God had called them to do. So, after quoting Psalm 69, after quoting Psalm 109, I'll read it again, right? Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 20. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, verse 21, therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Now, pause for a second, because like I said a few moments ago, the book of Acts is sort of like the book of Genesis for it, for us. It establishes so much about how God works, about how the church is set up, that sort of thing. But in particular right now, we learn something about the office of apostle. Right, And there are three criteria that had to be met in order for somebody to be an apostle. Now, you might be saying, well, okay, what's the big deal? I'm going to tell you why it's a big deal in a minute. But let's go over the criteria that is revealed in verses 21 and 22. Number one, therefore, looking at verse 21, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Two of the criteria are revealed in verse 21. And y'all, I know it's not popular. I know that even saying something like this would have me labeled in many circles. But the first criteria for an apostle was that the apostle had to be a man. Again, y'all, if, if that makes you angry, I'm not Peter. I... Peter's the one that's saying these things, okay? This is this is what Peter is saying here. And, and furthermore, this is Peter speaking with the authority of the Holy Spirit. This is God breathing out his word as Luke recorded these events, okay? So don't shoot the messenger. In the same way, you might say, well, why is it important that the apostle uh, that they chose would be a man? Didn't we talk about yesterday how, uh, again, verse 15, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. Previously, we found out that Peter and the other apostles were there praying with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus' brothers, and there were other women there. So why couldn't it be a woman? Well, y'all, again, not very popular. And this, uh, this devotional is not about this subject per se. But if you were to fast forward to 1 Timothy 2, to 1 Timothy 3, to 1 Corinthians 14, all sorts of places, you would find out that the office of pastor is reserved for men. And again, I, I know there are all sorts of arguments against this. But it's the same kind of argument as, I know the Bible says this, but fill in the blank. Oh, it was just cultural. It was just this. It was just that. And we're not going to go there today. Um, if anybody has questions or you want to talk about this, that's fine. Please talk to me before you get angry and run off and quit watching these. But what you'll find out is 
when Paul reveals God's will about who's allowed to be a pastor, right? Who's allowed to preach the word of God? Um, you know, Paul doesn't appeal to culture. He says it was Adam that was first formed and then Eve. It has nothing to do with quality of personhood or anything like that. It's just the way that God set it up, right? And, and again, you can make all sorts of arguments against it. You can come up with all sorts of logical solutions, but you can't change what's written in the Bible. And again, I didn't write it, so don't shoot the messenger. That's the first criteria for the apostle that would be elected. The apostle had to be a man. I believe he had to be a man because he was going to be out preaching and teaching. And that role in the church is reserved for men. Clearly, that is delineated in God's word time and time again. But another criteria, piece of criteria, is revealed here. Not only does it have to be a man, but it has to be a man, look at verse 21 again, who has been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Verse 22, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. Four, and he gives the reason why. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So the two criteria that are made, being a man's number one, the second is that the apostle had to be a direct disciple of Jesus, and the apostle had to bear eyewitness to the risen Christ. Okay? That was what was key. He had to bear witness. He had to be a disciple of Jesus. In other words, he had to walk with Christ. He had to be taught by Christ, all of those things, right? But he also had to be an eyewitness to the resurrected Lord. Now, the reason these are very important is not only because of what we will see happen later. We see another apostle added. Anybody know who it is? If we had an audience here, a Jeopardy question, why? It would be Paul. Right? Paul would refer to himself as the least of all the apostles, and it wasn't self-deprecation. But the reason that Paul qualifies as an apostle is he was an eyewitness to the risen Lord. And also he was a disciple of the Lord as he was taught by the Lord. Lots of mystery there, I know. But these are the criteria laid down for the apostle. Now, why am I spending so much time on this? Why is this such a big deal? Well, if I was doing this devotional with you, I don't know, um, the first time I ever heard this kicked around was probably 20 years ago. But if this were 40 or 50 years ago, th this would just be a, you know, a side note kind of thing about the selection process for the apostles. But the fact is today, you got a lot of people running around calling themselves apostles. And y'all, that ain't right. It's, it's not right um, for lots of reasons. Number one, the apostles had an authority um, that was unique to them as apostles. Okay, They're different from everybody else in the Bible because of the criteria that they met. But also, y'all, it's a problem because the people that go around today calling themselves apostles, right, they don't meet the criteria. And no, I'm not saying that faith isn't important, but it, it, the criteria is you had to see the Lord. You had to be a witness of the resurrected Christ. You had to be a disciple, be taught personally by Jesus. I'm going to say something right now. Some of the gifts that were present in the apostles continue today, without a doubt. But the office of apostle 
no longer exists. And the reason it no longer exists is because none of us can meet the criteria listed in God's word. And we don't have a group of other apostles to elect apostles today. All right. That may rub you the wrong way. It may come across bad. And, and, and I, again, I didn't write this. This is intrinsically awkward because I, I know of some situations where people in churches are apostles. I know of some situations where the pastor named people as apostles who happened to give a lot of money to the church. Wouldn't be the first time in church history that somebody had bought an office. But nevertheless, nevertheless, I'm not even going there today. Y'all, if the apostle Paul, and he did, if you go and you read his epistles, he offered justification for calling himself an apostle. If the apostle Paul had to defend his apostleship, then where in the world would you and I get off just saying, all of a sudden, look at me, I'm an apostle. That's not how it works, y'all. Um, you know, we are to consider ourselves the followers of Christ. I'm a pastor, which is part of apostolic succession. I'm not, again, I'm not even going there. That's not what today is about. But I'm just a follower of Christ, just like you. I'm not a priest. I'm not your intermediary between you and God or anything like that. I'm a pastor, and I've been called to preach and teach the word, okay? But outside of that, you and I are exactly alike. We are simply people, sinners saved by grace. That's it. There is no hierarchy uh, among us, okay, um, in, in terms of, of personhood. That's why I'm spending so much time on this. Peter lays down the criteria for those who could be elected. And we learned something else here. Verse 23, let's see how it goes along. By the way, yes, you've probably figured it out. That's the unfinished piece of business. They had to be made whole. They had to be 12. Verse 23, so they proposed two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. All right, pause right there for a second. You'll notice what the disciples, now apostles, did first. They chose among themselves, but then they diligently sought the Lord. And you'll notice also that you see them saying what has been missed from time to time. Take, for instance, uh, when the Lord tells Samuel that he's rejected Saul and he says, all right, go to Jesse's house, right? Go to the tribe of Judah, find Jesse, go to his house. It's one of his sons. Uh, Samuel sees Jesse's oldest and he says, aha, surely I am looking at the next king of Israel. Remember what God said to Samuel? Oh, he said, Samuel, not him. For the Lord looks at what's on the inside. The Lord looks at the heart. And see the apostles, because of the Holy Spirit working in them, they remembered this. And so they go to the Lord first and foremost, right? But they also reveal something about Judas. They don't look for a 12th apostle because Judas left um, his time as the apostle. They don't look for a 12th because Judas resigned or anything like that. They definitely, do, or, or I should say it this way, they don't look for a 12th because Judas is dead. They look for the 12th because Judas has betrayed the Lord. And Judas willfully pulled away from the ministry that they described 
previously, right? They talked about how the fact that Judas had left this ministry that he had been a part of. There's something important to that. There's something there that ought to resonate with us. Like I said yesterday, a warning is implicit here. And so after they pray, they'd say to the Lord, look, Lord, you're going to have to show us because only you can look at the heart. Verse 26, then they cast lots and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. And yes, this, I believe, is the first place where they are called apostles, right? They are referred to as the apostles. But y'all, what do we do with this casting lots thing? Right? I should have had a coin close by. I've got everything else on earth that you could imagine within arm's length of me. But um, is this the same thing as flipping a coin? No, y'all, it's not the same thing as flipping a coin at all. In fact, this is him them trusting in the Lord. Do we cast lots today? No, we don't, because we have the whole of God's word and we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. Um, but nevertheless, we shouldn't make a practice out of this. It shouldn't be our warrant to just say, oh, well, I can't decide, so I'm going to flip a coin and all that kind of stuff. Um, and by the way, if it's over something insignificant that doesn't matter, I flip a coin because usually when the coin's in the air, I decide what I really want to do, and then I don't even look at <laughs> But nevertheless, nevertheless, this is not about luck. This is not about divination. This is about the apostles, the 11 of them, having this choice before them, and they didn't know where to go. They didn't know what to do. And so they trusted in the Lord, knowing that the Lord would make them complete, knowing that the Lord would provide for them to do what it is they needed to do. And there's a lesson there for us. You know, a lot of this in some ways doesn't apply to us because, again, the office of apostle is closed now. Um. But this idea of desiring to do what God wants us to do that we see so prevalent with the apostles, this idea of leaving it to the Lord to provide, y'all, this is something we can talk about all day long, but it's hard to do. And yet they made the decision to trust that if God had something for them to do, that he was going to provide for them to do it, particularly in finding the right man to take Judas's place. Now, Interestingly enough, we really don't have that much about Matthias anymore in God's word. We know that what he did was important, right? We, we have some things from church history that maybe they're real, maybe they're not. But nevertheless, y'all, they trusted in the Lord and the Lord provided. And indeed, they did add Matthias to the 12, now or to the 11, and they became the 12. And with that last piece of business complete, well, it's here that we see the birth of so many things about to take place. I'm excited because tomorrow we will come to Acts chapter 2. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the beginning of your church and, and how we saw you work amongst the apostles. Help us not to get bogged down in the things that, that I've said. And if I've said something that's needlessly offensive, I, I pray that it's not. Let us... Instead, just trust your word and take you at your word and, and trust that you know why and how you have set things up and, and let us follow that. But, but Father, putting all of that aside, help us to remember that you always provide. That if you call us to do something, you're going to give us what's necessary to do it and we need to trust in you. So Father, help us to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit that we would see your calling, that we would have courage 
that we would do what you want for what you want is best. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Normally, I would go down the list of comments that people make and uh, reply. But nevertheless, I can't do this because this isn't live. But Lord willing, I will be back tomorrow morning with another daily devotional. And I should say, I should say this before I sign off here. When you see this, it's going to be Tuesday, February 21st. My beautiful wife, Amanda, will have aged another year. I'm not going to tell you how many years that is. But nevertheless, tomorrow, shouldn't say that because it's coming out tomorrow. Today, February 21st, is Amanda's birthday. And she is truly one of the greatest blessings the Lord has ever given to me. I love you very much, dear. Now, with that being said, Lord willing, we'll see you all again tomorrow. Have a great day.